0: welcome back to grateful dad and friends and today is a little recap of what i'm calling season one of the program and i want to thank all the guests that were kind enough to take the time and sit with me and chat and talk music primarily among other things and since having launched around thanksgiving We've had 12 episodes and almost 1,600 downloads. So I don't know if that's a lot of downloads in the world of podcasts, but it sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) Um, But before I recap Season 1, I want to provide a little glimpse of Season 2, which is going to start out with what I'm calling a wise old owl. And I guess I'll keep you in suspense, and I could just leave it at that for now. But maybe... I should express and share why I launched the podcast in the first place. And the purpose of it is to be a gift. And I've mentioned this in my earlier episodes. It's intended to be a gift to my guests and a gift to their friends and family. And let me explain. So a few years back on my way to Lake Champlain, I was driving with my parents and I had an opportunity to, quote, interview my father about his 35-year experience in the family business. And I recorded that conversation on voice memos on my iPhone. And the audio quality is mediocre at best. But the content was gold. And having dad's voice will forever be timeless and priceless. I wish I recorded more of those conversations. So when I lost my brother, Tom, among a whole host of other emotions that one would have after losing their hero, I realized that the, the few voicemails that Tom had left for me in the weeks leading up to his untimely death would be some of the few treasures that I have hearing Tom's voice, and I wish I had more of those. So my hope is that the conversations that take place on Grateful Dad and Friends will be a gift to those who know and love each of the guests that I'm lucky to call my family, my friends. So season one guests ranged from neighbors, including my inaugural guest, Mr. Fred Weiss. Thank you again, Fred, for being my guinea pig. And former clients, but really friends, such as Carrie Crane, and both of which went to the legendary 72 shows at the Academy of Music and Summer Jam in 73 at Watkins Glen and 77 at Englishtown. David McQuaid, one of my newer buddies who tours the country, catching up with him was amazing. And he told me about his retro decked school bus called Sugary, which I've actually been on. And he recapped some of his tales from the Golden Road and an encounter with NBA legend and deadhead Bill Walton. We spoke with Cornell Baus, an attorney and property owner by day. Lead singer by night And we learned about his thoughts and views about Elvis And among other topics His plans and evolving Wake list for his own funeral We sat down with Ted Barr Collector of some of the country's Most vintage psychedelic posters Proudly displayed at his gallery The Barr Gallery Aptly named I introduced my friend Rob Deistel, Also known as Monkey Man And we learned about his 20 year Passion project that he didn't share with anyone for those 20 years, until now, a musical that he wrote called Grown Up Asbury Park, where he's weaved in characters from Bruce Springsteen's most influential ballads. We spent time with my sister, Kathy Stabe, and our mutual friend, Reiner, Titan, Jens, and we heard about how and when they got on the bus and how Reiner is facing a life-threatening disease with the ultimate in courage in class and in grace. We talked music and a little shop talk with my nephew and partner TJ Stabe and my COO John Galino, and shared what we think we do well and what we could probably do better at our five generation family label printing business. I had the Ryan Brothers come in, founding members of indie rock band The Bog Men, and we spent some time with them painting the picture of the evolution of their music and the related cult-like following. Admittedly, me being (laughs) in the cult. We went back to the late 60s and early 70s with Richard Sutton, who shared his experiences living in communes and who was in the heart of the scene leading up to the infamous fundraiser concert that the Grateful Dead performed to save the Springfield Creamery from extinction in 72. Rob Baracco, my high-profile guest, keyboardist for Dark Star Orchestra, who was kind enough to take the time to share his journey. From wedding band performer to joining Jeff Matson and the Zen Tricksters, followed by the other ones in The Dead and Fillin' Friends, and ultimately Dark Star Orchestra, we learned what life is like on the DSO tour bus and what's on tap for 2024 for the band. Last but certainly not least, the four most special women in my life, my wife Margaret, also known as Margs, and our daughters, Hannah, Hope, and Lily, sat down with me to recount their earliest recollections of music and how they really felt about the Grateful Dead way back when. And we played two games to wrap up the episode, Name That Tune and Name That Year, where Margs proves she can pick out the name of a song within a matter of notes. And I try to name the year of any given live Grateful Dead song within a matter of notes. So see who walks away with the most fake points. Our season one guests ranged in age from 21 to 71. Most episodes were recorded in person at my, quote, studio, also known as my office in Deer Park. And I want to take this opportunity to thank each and every one of those guests again for taking the time to come see me. We also had remote interviews from Dallas, Texas, Norton, Massachusetts, and Cape Cod. And I want to thank those guests for navigating the remote technology so well. So looking ahead to season two, we carry the torch and start with one of my favorite humans on the planet, the gentleman who I consider a wise old owl. So here we go. Let's see where the energy takes us.